0: I was born in Huntington Beach, and I have lived there ever since. I remember around five years old was the first time I recognized something was a little different with me. I was at my kindergarten graduation, and we had to leave early to go to the hospital, I guess, and. I remember my mom crying in the parking lot, and I asked her, you know, what was wrong, and she said, just not fair. I kind of asked, what's well, not fair, and she said, the fact that you have to go to the hospital right now and receive chemo and everything. And so that kind of first led me on to knowing something was kind of different.
1: One of the most amazing things about being an athlete is learning through sports what we are truly made of. After all, at some point in our lives, all of us will face adversity and have our true character revealed. Are we resilient, determined, and unwavering? Do we have the toughness and perseverance needed to overcome the odds? For Jake Olson, every step in his journey has required him to show himself and the rest of the world his true colors. Resilience, determination, toughness, These qualities don't just describe Jake as a competitor. They are the tools he uses to allow him to compete in the first place. I'm Joseph Fourier, and this is More Than An Athlete. My
0: story kind of begins when I was, I guess, eight months old, and my mom had noticed a glow in my eyes that you could see in dimly lit areas or in a a picture wasn't the the red reflect uh, that usually you would see on people and so optometrist looked in only a couple seconds after looking in she sat a paper down drew two circles filled the left circle completely in the right circle only about halfway in she said your baby has cancer his left eye is completely taken over by this cancer his right eye is only about half so they almost immediately had to remove my left eye but we actually able, were able to treat my right eye with chemotherapy and laser treatment and then pretty much from About a year old to 12 years old, that cancer returned eight times. And so each time it would return, we would fight it with chemo or laser, radiation, cryo, so we threw everything we could at it. But eventually in 2009, when I was 12, that cancer returned. And this time the doctors had a different message and it was the same message, I guess, when I was just a baby. And that was they couldn't cure the cancer in my eye that in order to preserve my life, the removal of my eye was now necessary. But unfortunately, at that point, it was my only eye, meaning I'd have to go completely blind. With that came almost immediate sadness and horror. I realized I wasn't going to be able to see my parents' faces, uh, my dog's face, my future wife's face, my kids. I wasn't going to be able to see another sunset. So those thoughts tormented me for the next month and a half. I was also very uncertain about my future. I didn't know how I was going to continue to go to school. I remember trying to do things with my eyes closed in that month and a half, trying to golf with my eyes closed so I couldn't make contact with the ball anymore, trying to get around my room with my eyes closed. I was (laughs) bumping my shins and everything. I mean, it was tough losing my eyesight. That day was very, very difficult. But I remember coming home from that that day and, and already making up in my mind that this wasn't going to be the end of my joy and happiness that I was going to continue to live the life I wanted to and that included doing the things I loved. Growing up loving USC, I loved the game of football. It just was something I really, really loved. I loved the camaraderie. I loved the competitiveness. I enjoyed just studying the game. I was playing flag football in my middle school when I went blind my seventh grade year. I continued to play flag football my eighth grade year. But when I entered high school, also became tackle football and was something that became a lot more competitive, obviously a lot more dangerous, a lot more physical. I just really didn't think there was a position out there for me anymore. But seeing the team practice and play on Friday nights, seeing all my buddies talk about the game, making fun of the coaches, what they said, you know, everything that comes along with that brotherhood, I really missed it. And I remember my sophomore year just kind of coming to the realization that this is something that I promised only, you know, three years earlier that wasn't gonna happen. I wasn't gonna let blindness stop me from doing the things I loved. And I for sure wasn't gonna look back on high school and say, I regret not playing ball. And so I came upon the long stamping position and that was something that I realized was the same motion over and over again. You could learn the motion and just use muscle memory to repeat that motion over and over and over again. And sure enough, the first time I tried it was horrible. I didn't know what I was doing, but practiced the entire summer going into my junior year of high school. Showed back up the fall camp, was the best long snapper on the team, earned my spot in varsity, played both years, my uh, junior and senior seasons, of high school ball, which was just awesome. It was just great being out there, competing again, contributing on Fridays, being a part of that team, playing the, playing the game I loved. I had no other option than me to go to USC, of course. It was just was my lifelong dream. So I applied to USC, got in and Obviously, he kept a connection with the USC football program, would go in and see practice every once in a while. And I, I knew Sark, you know, he would come, uh, Coach Sarkeesian, he would come to our games, you know, a few times a year, just given we played in such a competitive league, there was a, a lot of scouting going on. So he knew I could snap and I was up at practice one day and he said, you know, are you plan on coming here, right? And I said, yes. And he said, well, if you get in, would you have any interest actually playing on, on the football team? <laughs> he said. Well. But I have interest. <laughs> I, it's more than a dream because I didn't even dream as it being be an option. And so once I was kind of that door open and that reality was put in front of me, I was for sure going to work my butt off to make that happen. And I got in and sure enough, Coach Shark brought me up and said, you know, you'll be on this team, you'll be with us and there'll be a day where you get to show, showcase your talents in the Coliseum. And that was just something I wanted to work hard to do. And my all my playing time that I could get and, and just show people that football is obviously a passion of mine and that I proved to myself and others that just because I couldn't see didn't mean it had to stop me from again doing the things I love.
1: USC has a blind snapper and his name is Jake Olson. And there may be some communication going on right now between the USC and Western Michigan coaches to alert them that the Trojans are about to put him in to snap this uh, extra point.
0: Coming into my junior year, I knew my time was coming and coach was seeing a lot of obviously I had a lot of confidence in me and was, was understanding that I, I could absolutely hold my own out there. And so, sure enough, before the first game, Coach Helton came up to me and said, you know, everything's set up for you to snap, so just mentally prepare yourself. And I was obviously jacked up, but, you know, it was nerve wracking, I understood the significance of the moment, but I also recognized that this was something I worked for and I earned this. And regardless of what happened out there, it's something that I was gonna cherish because I worked to get there. I proved to others I could get there and I knew what to do.
1: And a good snap from Jake. Listen to the crowd. Look at the USC sideline.
0: Pure joy was what I really explained. It It was just something. It wasn't even nerves. It just, again, it was just being out there, understanding I'd worked so hard to get there in that uniform. I knew what that meant to the kids sitting up in the stands. I knew I had, obviously, the, the whole support of trojan nation and my family and everyone and it just was enjoy the moment you know just enjoy being out there and i did it was addicting and i couldn't wait to get back out there and you know i i was actually you know i, able, I was able to enjoy that feeling two more times in my college career and it just was something each time it just was like oh my gosh i'm out here doing this this is just so fun
1: uh there's no doubt about it the legend of usc long snapper jake olson continues to grow his story well told by now he lost his vision to cancer at the age of 12 but he continues to stretch the limits of what we all think should be possible. And it looks like he's having a pretty good time along the way. All right, so Jake had this very cute idea that he was gonna bring a blindfold, which he happened to have in his pocket, which made me wonder, I'm not gonna lie. He made a big joke about that. Here with the world's most famous long snapper, Jake Olson from USC. Uh, First of all, congratulations on getting into a game. That was a really big story. Had to be obviously obviously a huge moment for you. You're working to become a professional golfer. You like understand, Jake, I've, I've been trying to pick up golf for the longest. And I'm just a bigger guy. I can't swing the club. So you tell me, inspiring to be a professional.
0: I loved playing golf when I was 12 and even before then. And I was a decent golfer. But obviously after I lost my sight, I became a golfer who couldn't make contact with the ball anymore. So start from square one. And that's what I did. And it was just about making solid contact again. It was about building up from what I had learned prior to losing my sight and my swing and just redeveloping everything. And sure enough, we started making contact again. We started hitting a good shot every once in a while. We started hitting consistent good shots. And you work your way all the way up to, you know, now where I, I have somewhere around probably like a 10 handicap, and it's just something I've worked tremendously hard at. It's been very frustrating at times. It's required, again, a ton of hard work, a ton of mental toughness, a ton of perseverance. but. The whole time I've seen a potential inside myself, I've seen a skill set inside myself that I know I can be the golfer I one day want to become. And if that's playing scratch golf, I, I can see it inside myself and I want to work my way to the point where I can play scratch golf. I can shoot even on a golf course. I think that would just be absolutely amazing. A couple years ago, we learned about the US Blind Golf Association. And there's actually a US Blind Golf Association as well as a International Blind Golf Association. And so they do tournaments around obviously the US, but the international, I mean, they have, you know, a British Open, they have, you know, a Japanese Open, they have an Australian Open. I mean, they have a ton of different tournaments around the world that you can participate in a world championship. They actually do something called a Vision Cup, which is pretty much a Ryder Cup type of version. It's North America versus the rest of the world, which is really cool. So there's a lot of different tournaments out there. And I hadn't participated in a competitive golf tournament since high school. So, it was cool being back out there. I, I remember going out in the first tee, just wanting to enjoy it. Striped a drive 300 yards down the middle on the first tee box, which was really cool. Uh, ended up hitting the green, but three-putting for a bogey, which wasn't wasn't ideal. But just continued to play good, good, great round of golf out there. It was really windy that day. I remember I, I didn't shoot exactly what I wanted. The wind was just really fierce. Um, so came off that day actually only one up on. My competitor, so I knew going in, into the, the next day was only two day tournament, so on Wednesday I was going to be paired with this guy. and I mean, it was absolutely a real competition. I mean, this was going to be shot for shot. And I actually found myself three shots down through like six or seven holes. And so I, I knew, okay, like this is kind of make or break. I, I got to kind of turn it on. And I did, I ended up, I think parring like six or seven in a row and just, again, shot, shot a 38 on the back we came down the final holes obviously I was as I mentioned you know paring out pretty much everything and I I knew I had it in the bag probably with three or four holes to go it just was was to a point where I I had built the lead and I just wasn't going to give it up and it was it was actually pretty funny I I was in the last hole and we had a fairway shot uh, about 130 yards down my pitching wedge leaked a little right and went to the bunker um, and my dad and I were even arguing at that point about <laughs> something silly with my swing. I mean, we understood that we were going to win this thing, but we were still as as picky as all get-up and of, of just wanting to play as best as we could. And I ended up putting the bunker shot two inches away from the hole. So at that point, you know, we marked the ball and understood once I just tapped this ball, we were going to win, um, which kind of, I guess, sobered us a little bit from, from the heated exchange about the pitching wedge. <laughs> a few minutes before but it was just fun to be in that situation with my dad it meant so much that I understood how much practice we put in over the years even from the first time we went out there after losing my eyesight just trying to figure out how to make solid contact with the ball again to that point where again we're shooting at 38 on, on nine holes I mean that just leaps and bounds and a lot of practice a lot of frustration a lot of yelling matches but understanding that we both are there for a reason that is I believe in myself. I believe in my golf ability despite not having my eyesight. My dad even believes in that more than I do. And so, for the sacrifices that went into that, it just was a very special moment. And as soon as I put that ball in, I just was very, very satisfied. My my dad broke down a little bit. He started crying, but I gave him a huge hug. And it just was a, a very sweet moment again. A lot, a lot of hard practice that was that was put into that and I think those are the most special moments in life when you know the sacrifice you've made towards something, you know the hard work you've put towards something and to accomplish that and to feel proud about yourself and your work. That that's something that's really special and I hope everyone has an opportunity to feel in their lifetime at least once. I think that we go through things for a reason. I think that when you do take that mindset, that that setback is gonna become your setup, that absolutely it will. I think that it takes patience and perseverance to see that setup one day and it might not happen tomorrow, but I promise you it will happen. And I challenge anyone who's going through any type of adversity or frustrating times, I think the most powerful thing in this world is gratitude. I think reminding yourself that things you still do have and not letting The anger and the frustration, the sadness of your situation overwhelm your mind to the point where you can't continue to see the blessings you still have in your life is a very powerful thing. Train your mind to look at life differently through those grateful eyes. I think the days, that's where true happiness comes. I don't think true happiness comes with money. I don't think it comes with perfect health. I don't think it comes with that boy or girl you're chasing ended up liking you. I think true happiness comes for you being grateful for what you have and continuing to again surround yourself with the people that love you and support you. I'm Jake Olson, and I am an inspirational speaker. I am a brother, I'm a son, an author, a cancer survivor. I'm a friend, a golfer. I am a USC Trojan. I am Jake Olson, and I'm more than an athlete.
1: WRTS is produced by John Fontanelli. Our editor is Chris Witherspoon. Our production assistant is Logan Castrodale. Additional production support by Matt Perret, Lauren Jones, Cody Moore, and Uninterrupted's Athlete Relations Team. Our executive producer is TD St. Matthew Daniel. I'm Joseph Fourier, and this is WRTS. We run this station.